What is going on, everybody? Our special guest. On? Yeah, hey, Crip King, what's up, man? Our special guest today is Dan Can. What's up, Dan? Hello, hello. Thank hello. you for having me. Hello, Gavna. I'm just joking. Sorry, I do a really bad English <laughs> accent. <laughs> I apologize for that. So the, let me just give you a quick format of the show. Like we're going to do a little bit of update, news, things like that that are like popping in the popping like uh, in the NFT space, and then we'll go right into like talking with you, Dan. Is that cool? Sounds perfect, my friend. All right, glad to hear it. All right, Crip King, man, what you got? What's the news today, man? Yeah, uh, local news. Uh, we saw a little. Uh, you know, dip in Bitcoin and Ethereum, but then we saw a little retraction up and it's kind of steadied out right now. Bitcoin currently sitting at 2885. Everybody talked about how it what? touched 21. So yeah, people excited. 1537 on Ethereum. Uh, notes around the community. Uh, apes dropped yesterday already, I think 8,700 in ETH since yesterday. Uh, was very smooth. I was part of it. Um, and yeah, very, very smooth. Then you had Lucrece drop on Manifold, uh, 0.06 mint, sold 8,700 pieces uh, with an average of three pieces per holder. So bullish around those news. And then just in other news, uh, L'Oreal, uh, the makeup brand, they're going to launch a DAO. Uh, One Inch Network is launching a hardware wallet. And Revolt uh, is assessing when they're going to launch their coin. So good news all around the market. Uh, back to you, Luke. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I actually heard you say, I don't know why I heard this, but I heard you say like 28,000 Bitcoin. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I looked at it now. It's it's 20,800. Got it. Yeah, yeah. touched everything. <laughs> yeah, everybody got excited because it touched 21,000 this week. <laughs> I was going to say, there was a time where I was like looking at Bitcoin at like 16 and 15 for a minute. And I'm like, oh man, if it would hit 28 just now, like, oof, would I be here right now? Probably not. You know what I mean? No, I would be. I can't stop hosting spaces, man. I just host too many. What's up? All right, Dan Can, what's going on, my man? Tell me what in the heck is going on with, I, I've heard a lot of, I've heard you speaking in lots of spaces and- I looked at your background and obviously you work for Gary, um, over at Vayner media, which is super cool. And we want to dig into that. But first I want to hear your, like your origin story. Like, where did you begin? How did you get, like, get into Vayner media, right? What's your path to there all the way from like uni or whatever you want to like far, you want to go back. And then like, I want to get into the details of like 2021, 2022 and like what you see for 2023. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. Sounds great. Yeah, Sounds origin, great. origin cool. story, Dan. Hit me. Origin story. Okay, cool, man. So I've been working in marketing, advertising for around 15 or so years. Uh, and I, my journey began, I think, when I was in you know, university. Uh, well, actually, probably on a bit before that, right? I was, you do something called A-levels in the UK, uh, which is just before you go to college or university as as you know we call it over here um and i was like what do i want to do with my life like i'm trying i'm struggling to try to think about what i want to do with my life and and i knew i was interested in like creativity i knew i was interested in you know human behavior and people and i kind of wanted to find something that was in that remit in that world and like w- luckily enough my best friend's sister like she worked in this really cool marketing agency and she brought her brother and I into her agency for this like um like session like this this um focus group, and 
going there, like I was just like eating pizza. They was talking to us about these new products that were coming up and all this cool stuff that they were up to and just seeing how much we, we like vibed with it. And I was like, man, this is, this is super cool. Like your job is really cool. Like what is this thing that you're doing? And basically just, I just sort of fe- fell in love with that sort of aspect of strategy and thinking about how I can, you know, help brands build and, and connect with people. So I, I decided down, like, to go down that road. I studied like typical things that would help me get there from like, you know, media, English, uh, you know, communications, and then went to university to study like comms and like advertising and marketing at a pretty like prestigious like uh, media school in the UK, Bournemouth Media School. Um, what's really interesting is that I was there for four years, um, but everything that I learned there was like very theoretical right it's very theory based and it's very hard to see that real world practice of how that starts to come to life and it wasn't until after i'd finished uni i got a job i landed a job at bacardi brown foreman um really luckily actually it was near my hometown and i effectively was the youngest person in the office and obviously being a fresh graduate they were like hey dan you uh you're like 24 years old or whatever you've got a facebook right how about you come and run our facebook pages because we're all like old hat marketers i haven't got a clue about what like social is so come and like ha- like look after our brand channels for at that time bacardi brown Foreman was still like a joint organization right so we, we were like um uh bacardi jack daniels southern comfort um bombay sapphire loads of really cool brands very different brands and I was there just like looking after their Facebook pages and their Twitter pages and was tweeting. And like, this was when like social media marketing was in its infancy, right? It was like text-based updates. It wasn't even images. Um, and so I fell in love with it. I was like, this is like really, really cool. I love social. I love digital. I love the fact that I'm crafting, talking to people, like um, building these communities, creating these like really cool activations and bringing people together, right? One of the big things about uh, that for me was, the essence of bringing people together and connecting people and communities and bringing like joy to these people who love these brands so much. I think I've always wanted to like do good for the world and and craft a better world uh, for humanity. And it kind of felt um, maybe naively, right. In terms of thinking advertising and marketing to do that, but you know, these brands have massive budgets. They, they want to connect with audiences and fundamentally they want to connect experience they will create experiences for these people right to connect and enjoy a brand and if i thought i thought if i can leverage some of their like budgets cash to create really cool experiences that bring people together then i'm all in for that that sounds really cool so i did that for a couple of years i then realized if i want to really go far in this industry i need to be agency side for a bit and i moved to london at the time i was in um, Southampton on the south coast of England. If anyone knows what that is. Fancy. <laughs> That's a fancy place. Is all I'm going to say. <laughs> you know what? It's not as fancy as the um, the Southamptons <laughs> probably. In the no, States, it, but... it might not be exactly. But I mean, I I know Southampton and uh, England. It's definitely fancy. But keep going. Yeah, it's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then I moved to um, a marketing agency uh, or an ad agency in um, in London, and that was like weirdly enough. Well, not not I guess not weirdly enough. You know. That was like the real university for me, right? Like being at an agency, at a progressive agency, um, it was part of the Aegis group. It was iProspect and um, another agency. Uh, and I, my, my job was effectively looking at digital marketing as a whole, like tapping into like display, tapping into SEO, tapping into content. This is when content marketing was like 
the buzzword about like eight, nine, well, like ten, 10 or so years ago, right? And yeah, you know what's funny job- that you just brought that up is that like nobody talked about community as much as they do now. Like they just discovered like electricity or oil. They're like, whoa, you know, there's oil in the ground and it's called like community. <laughs> now all of a sudden where everybody's using the word community and I, like, it's kind of funny that cause you have the experience and I have the experience of we both been, I've been, you know, indirectly building community since like the year 2000. And we just didn't, you know, emphasize community as much where this, this, uh, you know, the web three market, especially don't get me wrong. Community market fits always been, at least to me has always been a thing, but in this case, what do you think? Do you think it's like way heavier emphasis on community in Web3 versus Web, I guess what you call Web2, yeah. Web I guess? <laughs> yeah, you, 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 it's, it's super interesting you say that, right? Because of, of all my years working agencies, the past like 10 years, whatever, for the biggest brands, biggest like clients, it's always been top-down marketing, right? It's mm-hmm. been from a boardroom of uh, execs. It's yep. been from our agency assuming or thinking what people want to see through maybe you know we do some focus groups we do some research but it's never been that community focus or bottom-up approach right and i think what we're seeing right now is the complete inverse of that right we're seeing uh marketing shifting to this pattern where actually you need to be consumer up to maintain relevance and i think things like web3 is just galvanizing the importance of that uh, massively and, and putting the onus on the, the power of the brand, what people want to see, what people want to talk about, what people want to consume is taking out of the boardroom marketer CMO's hands and it's put firmly into the consumers, right? And and totally. that, that is where the power lies now. Yep. 100%. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. I just think it's interesting because we've had community for like thousands of years, yet nobody, you know what I mean? No one brings up like you know, the, the one common item people have to like that they have in common that they can rally around. Like it goes back as far as first civilization. It goes back as far as like the Bible, the Quran, you know, any holy book, like they used it. And then they met on Sundays to like talk about it, sing about it. You know I mean? They, that's how they created first communities was around a common interest. And I always yeah, think right. and same thing with automobiles when they came out, same thing with, you know what I mean? Like, all, like everything religion was the biggest one. And then it went to, you know, other, it's spread out to other things yeah. like you automobiles, like automobiles wouldn't have been successful without communities, right? All these totally. things. That supported yeah. them. I kind of think it, it, like, I love that you said that, right? Cause, it, Cause I've always had the thought of, um, if I, if I tried to trace the, like the origins of communication, it probably goes back even further than that, right? Around, cavemen and neanderthals on campfires like like sp- spreading knowledge around you know plants that you might not eat hey, if or you think things about it, that you or, might hunt like it goes all the way back to like art. the roots of humanity right cave drawings right cave drawings yeah, i mean man. they they get they rallied around their art in caves dude like wow yeah totally like, totally it's so interesting yeah man i love it like honestly and so <laughs> that, that's always been like my drive right of going how how can i be in this space well that, that's why i've been sort of thriving in in marketing and advertising because i just inherently love being that conduit that's like bringing people together right and actually that's how, how i sort of fell in love with web3 right because it was you know be, being completely honest me growing up and like getting into advertising and marketing when i was younger i was a lot more rebellious right in, in terms of like the system no man we're all being downtrodden by the man and it's like we need to break free and and you know be be a uh, you know society where we're we've, we've got more power for the people, and then I'm like, oh man, damn, I'm actually working for the big brands now, trying to sell you a car, <laughs> like trying to make you buy some football boots. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, I've fallen on the wrong side of it. 
But got to make a living somehow, my me, man. You got to make a living somehow. Yeah, right. That's it. That's it. But Web3 then gave me like that spirit back of going, actually, it, it doesn't have to be this way, right? It can be a different, it, it, we can create different models of what we think brands are. We can create different models of what we think communities are and society is. Um, so like that's that spirit of that is is really fueled my passion of getting into this space, which is really, really like interesting. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's uh it's definitely what you just said is definitely super interesting where we're creating our own brands. And you know, there's some people that in the in the space I've heard like talking and it's okay. Like I there's some some of the like apparel created in the space so far is hideous, right? There's some that's just really, really awful apparel that goes with like some of these projects, but it's because all these other brands we're trying to compare them to in our lives have been around for so long. They've had practice at this stuff. You know what I mean? Like the first iteration of anything should be embarrassing and ugly because you're just early, right? And if you launch it and you feel really comfortable with whatever you're launching, you're like, it almost feels like you launched it too late. So I'd rather see people like fail at creating great like apparel let's just say like you said you know you know people are buying like nikes and this and that like people are going to release stuff like with this ip and it's going to look hideous at first because they're it's just like they're trying right they just keep trying 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 until they get it and i think that's what's going on right now where people are complaining about apparel and i don't i honestly don't care like i've i've got a couple you know sweatshirts and t-shirts and hats and things like that i'm fine with it all um, but there's definitely some stuff where I was just like, I can't believe someone made like put that out and thought it was good. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny to see that stuff. And it's like, I, I get it. Right. But, um, I'd rather, I mean, you gotta have the experience like you have though, where you're like, you yeah. are, you are, you know what I mean? Like producing demand and desire and finding people that already agree with you in like marketing. And then they buy Nikes or they buy Coca-Cola or whatever it is. So like a Ferrari, which Ferrari doesn't even advertise. So I shouldn't even say that, but you know, an automobile that advertises. And I yeah. think it's super you know, you powerful. Know, you know, it's really interesting around that, man. I think, um, and what I think right now, that what, what we will see this space evolving into more so is, um, I think you're completely right out. You know, we're at the beginning of this journey and projects and innovators that are in this space are exploring how they start to do that sort of thing, right? How they create those tangible things that then hook people back into their brand and back into their projects. And um, I think, it's such uh this space is 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 so much in its infancy in that you know, if you look at and i, I don't, I don't want to tarnish all products all projects with this brush but 90 percent of projects rely on the same mechanics to try and you know market themselves right or, or put stuff out there into the world and they haven't got all the almost like closed room guarded secrets that these big ad agencies marketers have been using for years it's, it's very much like it feels a lot more basic compared to what you might see a Web2 brand do. And it's, it's kind of like at, end, at, at odds with the innovations that these teams and projects and like these really smart individuals are driving, right, in terms of the tech they're building and the, the um, aspirations that they have for like transforming industries, transforming the way people work and how, how, how things come together. Um, but then the how they grow how they attract users and like do their marketing function right doesn't seem like it's at, at that same par yet and i think that's what we're going to see a lot more over the next couple of years is that catch up of how these brands start to market themselves because obviously the competition is is fierce out here right so that needs to be a really like focus around how people are starting to build and for, for me as well i think coming into this space with some of that back catalog knowledge is 
really interesting for me because I, I want to be out here helping brands, helping projects, helping individuals, you know, actually start to build and building more meaningful ways and give them the roadmap, right, that I've been using for brands for the last 10, 15 years and help them do the same and scale out of this bubble that we're in and actually touch consumers elsewhere and bring them into this space. Yeah, I love that. And I totally agree. Your experience, what I've looked up, and of course I've done some research on you before, you know, the space, you uh, you have experience, there's no doubt, that is invaluable in this space, um, especially working for VaynerMedia. Uh, I think if, it, if you were working for a different agency, I think people wouldn't be as welcoming to you, um, which this is actually a good thing that you actually work for Vayner. Um, yep. I, I've, I've seen very, um, you know, I guess it's like a 50, 50 chance of whether people are welcoming to you. If you like work for like a web, what they consider like a web two company and you're trying to drain liquidity and all this stuff. So that's a huge, powerful thing. And I hope people take notes when you talk, because you definitely have that ability. And are you, this is a, a question you don't have to answer if you don't want to, of course, but are you working? Like, are you advising some of these projects on the side? Cause I heard you talking in another space that you do some things on the side. I wasn't sure if uh, anything to do with that. I know you don't want to compete with your main, the, you know, the organization that empl employs you. Is there anything like you're helping them with like brand guidelines, things like that, that can like get them, you know, aligned? Yeah, you know, so it's, it's a really interesting um, top question, man, because um, I actually spoke to Gary about this like uh, last year and I was like, Hey Gary. And this is when I was, um, uh, advising on a project, right? Consulting sure. on a project. And I told him, was like, hey, I'm consulting like from a marketing perspective on uh, a really cool project that I like. Um, and he's like, it's exactly what you should be doing, man. It's amazing. Like, well done. Fair play to you, right? But as long as it's not conflicting with what my day job is, you know, it, it's, I think, okay. And, and I'm very upfront with it. But to be completely honest, I, I, was, um, I was helping on a project um, in 2021. Um, since then, the founder of the project wanted to turn it into just a art based project, right? It, it was more art driven. He didn't want to build a brand. He felt it was, he was a young kid, like a 22 year old kid. He, he, he wasn't quite um, ready to extend it into it being this like big brand that everyone wanted it to be. And I kind of sort of said, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm in this space to help build those brands, right? That's what I want to be doing. I want to be doing carving that for, um, brand or projects and helping them you know go higher than just being an art project or just being a project um so um, i left yeah um and that worked really well for me because oh well that project worked really well for the time zone because they were in the states right so i could do my nine to five uk time and then put my kids to bed and then work eight hours in the evening or six seven hours in the evening for them which was then you know on their time the time zone worked really well for me because they were stateside um, I actually then was consulting very briefly for a project in the UK. Um, and that didn't work out so well because obviously expectations around what that means, you know, trying to be servicing two brands at the same time or, or yeah, working my Vayner job and then trying to think about what those guys are doing and trying to meaningfully input into that too just didn't work. So I tried to, I, I did it for like two months and I actually was really honest with them and said, look, I can't do this anymore because I can't, drop any balls on my day job you know and and i can't meaningfully serve you as well as i should be so i have to like you know bow out unfortunately you know and so i think for me right now is if i'm looking to help anyone in the space it's much more on a project by project sort of basis it's more like consultative having conversations with people and just like trying to upskill people like i've got like a 
a calendar that's open that I, they, I, I welcome anyone to like chuck in 15 minutes to run an idea past me, right? Or just tap into something. And I'm more than happy to continue to do that. But I think being a vein is really interesting, man. Um, yeah, I believe it's, it. It's unlike <laughs> any other marketing agency out there, any other communications firm out there, right? I'm, Tell me what's the difference though. I want to I wanna hear your take as being a professional in the space. What's the difference? What's the core? Like, let's just say, even if there's like two or three differences, but what's the like, what's the one that's like glaringly standing out for you? Because I've worked at, I've helped agencies at least. I've had my own agency before. I've done some things in the space. Um, I just don't know the difference between Gary's, you know, I mean, like Gary's version of a, an agency versus like a regular one. Because I know people that actually even work at influencer agencies, like um, the company Influential. I know people that work there. I'm wondering how you guys like compare to those guys and also like how, how it's different. So I, I'm sorry, I keep going on here. But yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'd love um, to hear it. <laughs> I think, um, like avatar, uh, the, the biggest difference, the, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway for me right now is, um, Vayner obviously is like a social first agency, right? It's all about social media and there, and there are loads of agencies that are focusing on social as well, but in a lot of big traditional ad agencies, they're still operating around, old world thinking or old models around you know that top down it's coming from a boardroom it's coming from what the brand wants to say right and, and that is driving loads of their communication right but they're not seeing what gary sees in terms of what social is fast becoming right in terms of brands now are fundamentally built on social media right um social media is literally the storefront for your brand like and Loads of companies, loads of agencies still have social media as the afterthought. So if you look at the Warden and Kennedys of this world, the BBHs, even like some of the more interesting digital agencies like AKQA. Um, huge, fan of, huge, fan social. Of BB, huge fan of BBH, by the way. <laughs> yeah, me too. I used to work there, man, years ago. <laughs> Did you seriously? Like, really cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I love the Black Sheep video that they made. Yeah, man, it's, like, it's, it's an amazing, innovative agency, but still, even there, right, social is still a bit of an afterthought. It's an afterburn in terms of sure. the teams coming up, the creative, the creative directors, the strategists coming up with the big TVC, the big TV advert, the big TV campaign. And then those same assets, those, we call it DJing assets, right, or matching luggage, right, where you have <laughs> you, the TV advert, which is then just put on social media uh, and steals from that advert put on social media or the billboards you see put on social and all the copy feels very ad like right it doesn't feel like it's actually connecting with people on like a individual level on social and what vayner do really well i think is flip that on its head right it's all about actually what brands are doing now needs to be rooted in driving and gaining attention from 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 people right it's all about relevance now and i talk about this a lot like the tiktokification of social media and what that means for how brands operate, you know? So it's like TikTokification of social media is not that TikTok is the be and end all and the answer to your problems in terms of gaining relevance with young people. It's more the fact that what TikTok has done in terms of their algorithm and in terms of how they're serving content has shifted focus from it being a social graph where you can get away with top-down stuff, so where your brand can just put cool stuff out there and it will resonate with people because, you know, people like your brand to social media platforms actually serving content that is, you know, interesting for people like that. They are changing the way their algorithms work. You see this in reels. You see this in shorts. You see this in 
you know, um, Facebook Reels, which are, you know, a massive, powerful thing that, that's coming back in a big way. You see this in Twitter right now, right, with the For You page that's just dropped and the following page. They're gearing you up or, or the, the, the platform is trying to serve you content that they think you want to see. And that's one of the biggest shifts in brands now need to be more reflective of that and actually start thinking about less top-down marketing and more consumer-up marketing. And the way Vayner does it, that's exactly the model, right? It's like strategic, organic content. We produce loads of content, we put it out there, and we find what works, and then we do more of that stuff. That stuff that works, we then invest money into that and push it to even more audiences. And those things, those insights and things that we learn from consumers on the ground become our TV advert because we know it works and we know it's what people want to see. That's the big difference with Vayner. That's, it's flipped it. It's flipped the script on its head. And a lot of um, agencies and a lot of like the marketing world don't like that, right? They don't um, respect Vayner immediately, uh, Vayner um, as, as well, or as, as it's not as highly regarded as like a Warden and Kennedy or these big massive creative agencies because we're so new and we're so... Um, with so much of a challenger brand in terms of flipping the script on how you start talking to people and interacting with people. But I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that we'll see most agencies start moving this way over the next few years. And I think Gary, Gary's just like a seer, man. He calls it. He calls so much stuff like it's incredible. He was talking about TikTok before TikTok blew up. He was talking about NFTs and Web3 before it blew up, right? He's he's a very, he's, a, he's like this, this incredible person that just gets consumers, gets people and reads intuition he's got a really good intuition on, on on where you know attention is and consumers are so yeah i think we're going to see a lot of brands moving that way in the next few years so with that said you you actually made a, a very like valid argument for like obviously consumer first and i obviously believe in consumer first for at least the last 13 years i've been doing consumer first marketing the question is how do you convince an old brand that's used <laughs> to doing this this old way of agency work and this old old agencies going Hey, Vayner doesn't know what they're doing like we do. Here's how we've always done it. And it's really, really worked for you guys, yada, yada, yada. How do you guys convince an old brand or even like a brand that thinks like another agency really understands? How do you convince those guys like to go with Vayner versus the old agency that's got the accolades, the awards that actually mean nothing except for the people in the ad agency world? And like, how do you convince them? Like, what's the what's the role? And like, is it easy or you guys have an uphill battle currently? It, it, you know, it varies, actually. It's a really great um, question, man. It varies uh, according to the client you're speaking to. I think um, generally, though, it is um, it is a bit of an uphill bat battle because they're so stuck in their ways, right? Like th these marketing industries and these companies, these legacy, massive household name brands, they're, they're, they're very adverse to change. And especially when it comes to spending marketing dollars, right? They're very stuck in their ways around how they um, allocate that and spend that. And how what that means for them, um, and actually they're very risk averse in you know trying to uh, rely or, or, or being driven by what consumers are talking about about are talking about you know in terms of what they care about for their brand. They they want to control the message a lot more, right? So what I find is it's it's like, it's, it's like a tiptoe game, right? It's a very slow burner where you're introducing concepts that we're trying to introduce to them um, over stages. So we start by still doing that traditional brand calendar, brand moments that they have, that they all have always operated on. But we start bringing in bits of the secret sauce that start to then tease them to go, but look, we can do it in a slightly different way. 
this, we still do your big brand calendar, but we focus on niche audiences. We focus on cultural signals that we can then tap in to make this moment more relevant and more rooted in, you know, behavior, more rooted in what's, what, what conversations are happening around this topic. And we start to like, yeah, just, just show them this, this other way of doing it. And you do that for a while and then you just like, yeah, it's just that slow burn of, of convincing them that this is, this is a new way of thinking about how you market yourselves. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's interesting. I just think it's, I still think it's like ridiculously tough, but it's smart. You guys are doing Trojan horse. Hey, let's do some traditional marketing for you guys. And then you slowly convert them and say, Hey, let's do a test here of the way we do things. And it just like, it just goes gangbusters and works for them. Like, it sounds like that's the way you guys are doing it. And that's a brilliant way. I love the Trojan horse way of like, sure, we can do it your way. Here we go. And then you launch and do some micro tests, small bets on some things and then show them the results and you know you slowly convert them into a believer like over like six to 12 months and all of a sudden the old way of doing things all it takes is like one like one person in one you know one big partner in an industry right and that one big person in an industry let's just say it's coca-cola and they start doing things your way and they see you know the competition sees them winning they're going to start working with you guys too because it's a competitive advantage when you when you start winning so it's totally like, man, all 100%. you need is one. All you need is one, right? 100%. And, 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 and that's like, we're, sl- we're slowly starting to see that, right? Obviously, ideally, right, we'd, we'd go full in to some of the models that we like adopt inside Vayner, right? For sure, in, in terms of how we want to do stuff. But I think a lot of the time brands are, are a bit um, uneasy about going full hog into it. So we have to like, so yeah, just, just, just tread sort of gently around it. But another thing that um, is worth sort of mentioning actually is, um, just cultural relevance for brands, right? And how important that is now in terms of driving attention and gaining relevance for your for your brand as a whole, right? And this is another thing that TikTok's done really well for people and brands alike, right? In terms of creating relevance at a scale that we've never seen before, right? Like the the, like the, the TikTok algorithm. I'm I'm not the you know to be hands up. I'm it, it is um in, in, in the the content the most of the content that you see on there, but the relevance it can drive for brands is like insane, right? You can, um, you know, obviously on TikTok, you have your hashtag um, trends that are happening. You have sounds that are trending. You have just weird things that people are doing that trend and become, that blow up in the app, right? You can just post, anyone can go viral on TikTok. Like, so it's like a democratization of virality on there, which is insane. Um, Brands are tapping into this in really meaningful ways, right? Where, they will jump on a trend, whether that's a sound, whether that's like a, a filter, whether that, whatever that might be. And they are creating content, which then relates back to their brand, but they've done it through the lens of this trend, whether that's a sound or whatever it might be. And then they go massive, they go viral and they get loads of new followers, they get loads of new sales and they get a whole new audience of young people that are starting to become you know, full on consumers, believing in their brand because that brand is speaking their language and resonating with them on their level, right? In terms of the things that they're doing, caring about and tapping into. So TikTok is like changed the game for social a bit in terms of, in, in that respect. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Crip King, you got a question? Go for it, man. Yeah, yeah. I want Dan. Uh, yeah. First of all, uh, love the energy and great to meet you. But I want to ask you, like, uh, for your advice to like, we have a lot of individual artists out here. What would be your advice to artists that you know tackling marketing and like maybe feel like they're getting drowned out, you know, in 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 the space and things like that? What would be your advice to like the individual artists? <clears throat> it's a really great question, man. Um, I would say. Like how I would, if I could give like a little breakdown of steps around how build, how to build your brand, and that could be applicable to an individual or a company of a thousand people, right? Is first of all, uh, you need to define your niche, right? You have to be really like really grounded in what you're doing, your purpose, your unique selling point as an artist, as an individual, as an entrepreneur, whatever that might be. You need to have, have that nailed down in terms of your vision, your mission, and what you're bringing to the world. And you have to be completely, have complete conviction in that, right? You don't necessarily, you don't necessarily need to be an expert in that just yet, but your enthusiasm needs to be there in terms of showcasing and, and projecting that, right? I, I'm a firm believer that enthusiasm trumps expertise at the start because actually you can bring people along with you and excite people and you can learn on the way. You can keep learning. Learning expertise is something that can keep being built. But enthusiasm has to be there from the start. So having that um, clear-cut view of who you are and what you're offering the world is, is the first like fundamental step, right? Um, after you've done that, I then would start to look at, okay, who else is like me out here, right? Who else is doing similar things to me in this space? What other artists are similar to me? What other little brands are similar to me? And get a little, almost like a little competitive landscape of the people that are like me now and then also the people that I want to be like, like in five years time, where I want to be as a brand, who are those people? Let's get a little map of who those are too, right? And, and just map those out and almost, I call it like an audit, right? You audit these people from their social profiles. What sort of things are they talking about? What sort of things are resonating on their Twitter page, on their Instagram page, on their whatever, you know, their, their websites? Um, and just building a little picture of what that is. And once you've got your vision, your like landscape around you, you can then start defining what your um, target audiences are or who your target audiences are, right? So you start thinking about not big, sweeping, mass audiences. I'm talking super niche audiences of individuals that you want to connect with. So you, know, you, you might first say, okay, I want to, um, you know, on, on a broad scale, I want to attract, you know, everyone in Web3. I, I want to attract males 25 to 50 that are in Web3, love NFTs, love art, because my art, I think, speaks to them. But more so than that, you need to get a, a bit more granular around, you know, thematics of stuff that your art is doing that appeal to certain sects of those people, certain subsects of, you know, this is, this is a, a very broad example, but you then go into like, if you're an abstract artist, getting really granular into people that love that and, and tapping into who those people are and what they care about. And building this really, like, we, we call it cohorts, right? Like a deep level of audience cohorts uh, and understanding who they are, the channels that they're operating on, what interests them, what they're tapping into, what they're talking about. And just having that uh, in your mind around, you know, what, 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 what they want to see, what is relevant for them and how can I be relevant to them, right? It, it is like the end goal. Um, and mapping those things out, mapping out your vision, who, who you're trying to, you know, balance yourself against or, or, or put yourself against and, and achieve and, and strive for, and then thinking about your audiences, then you can start thinking about 
okay, what are the sort of content themes I'm going to start sticking to like around my artwork? Am I going to do like really close up detail shots? Is that something that's resonating? Am I going to do, I don't know, a certain thematic of art? Am I going to create a certain type of art that speaks to a certain part of culture? And just thinking about like broad content themes that you want to be tapping out. And once you've got that sort of, that's almost like your brand strategy then, right? That's your framework around your personal brand of how you want to like build yourself. From there, you just need to create, 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 create content. Um, and, you know, I think what, what a lot of people get stifled with is, oh man, I need to create really good content. I need to create really shit hot content that's going to like immediately blow up and rock the world and everyone's going to go, this is amazing. But I, I say that's kind of like a, um, a sort of um, a way to perfectionist. Get isn't that, isn't that, I was going to say, isn't that a way of like you you get ahead and do this perfectionist like infinite loop, totally. and then you don't totally. produce anything, and then you're like, wow, I really didn't do anything. Then you're hard on yourself. That's it. Yeah, yeah, and, and you get so disheartened that that even when you do put something that that's taking you a week to make, you put it out there and it gets one like, and you're like, oh my god, I'm giving up. Like, forget this, I'm not doing it anymore, right? What you need to do more so is create lots of little bits of content, lo-fi bits of content, which is just teasing um, the audiences. Not, 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 not teasing the audiences directly, as in, you're almost like, it's like the litmus test, right? You're f- trying to find out what resonates with people. You're putting out loads of different little bits of content, whether that's a sketch, whether that's just text tweets, whether that's just like random images, whatever that might be, you do loads of different things and you do a lot of it. And then you analyze, okay, what's working out of this stuff? What, which of these things are starting to draw me more attention than the others, right? So let's say you're putting out content and you average, you know, what, um, two likes per, uh, per tweet. And you put out some tweets that get 10 likes. You go, okay, that's something that might be starting to resonate with people. That's, that, that's connecting with people in a, in a different way to all my other stuff. So let's focus on that and do more of that thing. And keep on building that, right, to the point where, you feel like you've got a bit of a handle on things that are resonating more than others. And those things that are starting to resonate more than others, then you go upscale production a little bit. You start putting a bit more effort and doing the next level of content on that theme, right? On that, um, you know, content bucket or whatever that might be. So I might invest a bit of money and create a video. I might spend a bit more time creating a a piece of content because I almost have that, you know, knowledge or insight that, this type of thing, this conversation, this sector is working for me because people are interested in that. So you've already got that insight. And once you then do that and upscale production on something, hopefully then if you've done it enough and you've done it right, you'll start to find that that is resonating too. And then to go even bigger, you go, okay, now I'm at the point where I'm going to put some ad spend behind it. I'm going to put some paid money behind this post. And I'm going to tweak the copy and make it a call to action for someone to come and buy my artwork. I'm going to make it a call to action for someone to come and visit my website and, and check out my stuff. Because you've done the groundwork, all that groundwork uh, of, of testing and learning content to get to the point where you're putting out a piece and they're going, oh, yeah, I, this is resonating with me. I, I'll, I'll now, you know, potentially buy this or whatever, right? So you've got all the tests you're doing from organic. You're then learning from that. You're like rinsing and repeating what works and then you're amplifying that after right and that's just like the model that you can just carry on using and you'll slowly build your audience you'll slowly build your brand and yeah and and you know you'll find new audiences that you're tapping to so as you're going on that journey you'll find new little cohorts you go actually wait shit this person's liking me i'll I'll note that down and, and build some content for that guy 
and it would just keep on developing. And the key thing about doing that is analyzing it, right? Every week, every month, tapping back in and going, okay, but what is actually working? Because just pumping out loads of stuff and just it's like spraying and praying, right? It's, you're hoping for the best, but actually you need to analyze what you're doing and f- figure out if it actually is working. And then that just slowly builds up. But I think it's dedication as well, man. It's like a bit of a grind uh, in that respect and doing it that way. But I think that is, if you want to make it in, in an industry, if you want to make it as an artist, especially in Web3 where it's highly, highly competitive right now, right? You need to have that mindset of, you're going to like try and strive for it. And, and this is how you can test out doing it and doing more of it. Yeah. You know what you just said, Dan, it's genius. A lot of people don't talk about like paid, like paying for advertising in the space and like amplifying your, amplifying your message once you see it's working and then you iterate off of those messages and then you realize, okay, this is as much natural uh, interactions I'm going to get. I'm going to amp this and see it go to other, other people that are like type to the people I created this content for. Most people in this space are thinking like, how do I create this naturally? And a lot of it, what you just said is like creating your first 1000 true fans. You know what I mean? Like, and you do that like one fan at a time. Sometimes you do it like three or four or five fans at a time. But in your, what you're saying is, is the scientific way of doing it. And that's the way I'm used to doing it as well. Dan is, a uh, is to do, you know, building content, building, building messages, looking at the analytics, seeing what works what didn't and then amping those things that work, you know what I mean? Iterating off of them, seeing how much you can get done naturally and then paying to boost some of that stuff, which then, you know, puts it in front of the line. Yeah. That's, and that's, it's funny. It's interesting because a lot of people look down on that in this space. They think it should all be natural. You shouldn't pay for anything. Everything should be free, all that stuff. Well, you know, getting in front of the right eyeballs sometimes is free. And sometimes it's not. And sometimes, you know, you got to pay to play in terms of like getting your content out there. If you really want success and you want it faster than just trying to build naturally, which by the way, you definitely can use Twitter for that, you know, cause it's a, the ultimate networking tool. But yeah. I definitely think what you just said, creating cohorts or avatars, you know, of like, like type people, you know, ages 25 to 30, like this, 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 and this, and, and tend to do this, this, and this. And then you find out, yeah. okay, those are, that's my target, my cohort target. And let's double down on that because it seems to be working. And the cohort of 35 to 40 year olds don't really, they don't really resonate with my content. Right. And so I'm going to stop doing that in that category because it's just, it's a lot of work for a very little amount of reward. So then you just iterate in different categories and different, like you said, cohorts or avatars and you go after different targets and you just find what works. It's, it's brilliant that you just said that. I've, I've been talking about that for a while, but nobody wants to hear the paid side of yeah, stuff usually. <laughs> you know what though? The, 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 the thing about the, the, you know, I, I understand like web three, right? Web three audiences don't, it doesn't like resonate with them because there's so many rug pulls that are promoting crap. Right. Sure. And yep. then it's like, when you see a promoted tweet on your feed for a web three project, you're immediately going, this is a rug. Like this is not a real project, right? That's the that is the um that's one of the difficult things we've got to overcome in this space of how do you meaningfully trust people that are trying to promote themselves? Um, you know, and, and you know, there's loads of people that are just like a a shill, an NFT shill page where they're just like DM me for promotions, give me point <laughs> five ETH and I'll shill your project. Like those people have like ruined marketing in this space almost, right? In terms of what promotion means because it's made it super artificial and bots at the same time as that is that whole like murky side of it. But I think that, 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 that was in my opinion, early, 
a early you know version nft 1.0 where everyone was in it for the gold rush right but it kind of feels like we're starting to lose a lot of those people that are we're here to try and get rich quick and the real people that are here now and going to be continuing to build in this space will hopefully be like the evangelists that are actually believing in this tech believing in this like space and, and what this can do and yeah i think it will become more of a a prominent thing, especially as we see more entrants coming into the market, right? That are used to promote tweets, that are used to adverts. Those people will still be able to get hooked into your into your brand or your or your message. But it's a really tricky one, man. That is in this space at the moment, like actually taking the risk and, and pushing ads out, right? So it's got to feel at the same time as it, it being an ad, it's got to feel as natural and organic as possible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the thing is, like, I don't even look at posts whether they were like promoted or not. I just look at a post and if it's interesting, I like it, retweet it, comment on it, whatever it is. Honestly, don't yeah. even look at it just because I'm so used to promoted posts or boosting posts. Like I don't really care what it is. As long as it has a message that makes sense to me, I'm going to interact yeah. with it. If it doesn't, I'm just going to scroll past it. So yeah, for sure. And you know what, but I think that's what we're getting to now, right? If, if, and it feels like the promoted tweets I'm getting now, I feel like they're more meaningful, which is great. But like back in the, like a, a year ago, it didn't feel that way, I think. And I think there's still that residual doubt in some people's minds about the power of how, how, how promotion can work for them. Yeah, and I think a, a combination of authenticity and, and boosting a post is where it's at. Create a, a native, authentic look and feel of what your message you're trying to push out, whether it's a video, whatever the case may be, mostly video in this case. If you make a video and it's it's meant you, you're trying to build it to, to share, it'll most likely be shared. But if you boost it a little bit, it'll get shared a lot more because when you start when you start to do content like this, like the algorithm dings you when it when it thinks you're trying to do something that's promoting something else, regardless of how authentic or um, native it looks and feels, it's still a tough you know uphill battle. So. Beating the algorithm, sometimes you got to boost some ads. You know, sometimes one hundred percent, man, one hundred percent. And you know, like to your point there of when when you when you can see it going right, and you're seeing that resonance with people, boost it. Give purely, and it doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, no, right? Fifty like bucks, fifty dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say, fifty whatever. bucks will make it. Will make it. Will make it win. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. Like I just and, and that yeah. might lead to two hundred more followers. That might lead to a sale of an art piece, wherever it might be. Like it's just when you're building your personal brand, those little interactions are super important, right? To hook people in. That's so true. If you're going to go spend $30 at the pub or you're going to go buy like a fancy meal, spend $30 on boosting a post uh, of some content that might resonate with more people. And that will buy you, you know, if you, if you're building in the space, it's worth it. I've spent money in really, really dumb places before 30, 50, a hundred dollars in really dumb spots. Why yeah. can't you spend <laughs> 30 or $50 on something that'll actually help you in the long run. It's not something to like shy away from, you know? Totally, man. Totally. I'm in full agreement, my friend. Nice. Okay. Well, we got like 10 minutes left here. What else would you, uh, what else would you say is like some really good advice for people in this space? Let's just say, um, someone that has a, could you give someone that has a, a project, like a small mint project, some advice, and then like give advice for the one of one artists, obviously a thousand true fans is the one of one artists first, you know, way of building like a community around them. But is there, is there anything else you could give to people in terms of like both categories? I think what's really interesting for um, projects that are like coming up and have already got a little community, right? How you, 
Uh, and I, I would presume have like hopefully a fairly active like community in somewhere like Discord, right? Or ha- has like an active community outside of just being on the Twitter sphere. How you galvanize them, how you turn them into advocates of your brand is really powerful, right? Because actually, if they if you can get them talking about you more than you than you talking about yourself, that's gonna be one of the biggest ways of hooking even more people into your project or your mentor, your brand. Um, how you you know, like galvanize those people within, you know, the, the the Discord channels or and how you get them to come out of there and spread the message further is super important, right? I think that's one of the biggest things I would say in just, just amplifying that message. Um, but also just thinking about individual projects. Personally, I, I think you, you've got to have some, some like, it, it, I think it really depends what sort of project it is, like, really, right? So, if it's um, just an art-based, like, generative project that doesn't have much, like, inverted commas utility around it, then you've got to then lean into the power of the artwork and how incredible uh, that is and how unique and stuff that is. But I think leaning into what makes you special is probably your superpower, right, in terms of the things that you're, uh, the things that you're trying to build, the things you're trying to connect. You've got, to, you've got to believe in that thing and you've got to really push it to people and then galvanize those around you that are in there to do that with you. I think that would be my overarching advice for anyone that's got a project that's on the up and that's starting to build. Um, and don't be afraid to pay. Like, get, get, some, get some paid like, promotion. <laughs> like, start leveraging some advertising money, right? And, think, and you know what? Also, start thinking a bit beyond the Twitter sphere, right? Get on TikTok. Get on Instagram. Get on some other channels and start talking about it. Get on YouTube Shorts. YouTube Shorts is a powerful platform right now. Like... What we call underpriced attention, right, in um, our world is platforms that you can go, you can spend a tiny amount of money and you can reach a load and load of people. And YouTube is a hotbed for that right now. Like YouTube Shorts and TikTok is still that place, but YouTube Shorts is an incredible place for that. And there's loads of crypto heads. There's loads of NFT heads that are tapping into um, YouTube. So that's a really fertile place to be growing your brand. Um, Instagram as well too, but... That's a pay-to-play game. You're not getting organic reach there for for nobody's business, right? You need to pay for that. Um, But again, just how you expand beyond the initial Twitter sphere is something to be um, really mindful of and how you build up that content ecosystem, I think, is really important. Um, For a a one-of-one artist, I think it's like actually a similar thing, right? And and there are probably other other channels that you might start tapping into. And this... Instagram would obviously be a, a really interesting one for, to look at, look at, and, and then start building your like your personal brand and you know moving your tentacles around to those places. But even things like Pinterest, right, it is really rich for this sort of stuff. And just how you can start tapping into other areas of social, other areas of digital, to get your message out there. Um, I think that's a really interesting play. But um, for one of our, one artist, that's about you know them and their, their their personal journey i think as personal as you as personable as you can be is your power there right in terms of talking about your journey as an artist as an individual your process uh, i think people love to see how like the the end products obviously the end goal in terms of selling something but your journey your ideation your stages of getting there that's all really beautiful rich pieces of content that you've probably got lying around in fucking scrapbooks in PSDs that never made it to like the final thing, right? How you can unpack that whole journey of 
uh, you know, you getting from being, even before you started as an artist, to every project or painting or digital piece of art you work on, that iteration, that, 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 that process, that detail, I think there's a really inherent richness in selling that a lot more and, and projecting that out. So I think people love to see that. And then how you turn that or how you turn and tap that back into who you are as a person, right? And how you drive you, who you are and your personal brand. Because, you know, this is a really cheesy thing to say, but everyone, every individual is more of a one of one than any one of one could ever be, right? Like, like, and actually how you sell yourself is, is, is super powerful. And, you know, don't forget, the, the the power of being a human right and connecting and talking about your human journey and then how that connects to your art i think you're you'll win over much more people by capturing their hearts that way by capturing their eyes by selling your actual piece of art if that makes sense yeah it totally makes sense i've actually uh talked a little bit about similar things that you just said where it's creating like a process thread of like hey here's where i started with this piece of art and here's where it ended. And here's, you know what I mean? At the last tweet in the thread is like, and here it is on open go check it out if you want to, you know, like how did I get there? You know, like what's the story behind like a photograph, right? I was walking through the woods and I didn't have my camera, but I saw this amazing view and I went back three, yeah. four weeks in a row. And I finally was able to capture that look and feel as I saw a month ago. And here's, you know, here's that story. I think yeah, it's super totally. powerful. I, I, you know, well, one other thing I, I, I would, especially for, for individuals, is you've got to let go of the ego, right? Your ego and um, um, worries and anxiousness about putting yourself out there into the space. I think jumping on spaces like this, talking, projecting yourself, and just being you know forthright in talking about who you are and who, what your art is, is so important, right? And actually... This like this format, this audio format that we've got right here, is one of the most powerful tools of how you can promote yourself. Like, put your hand up to get on stage and talk about your project. Don't be afraid to do it. It's your it's your artwork. It's your life. It's who you are. Right. That's probably one of the most powerful things. And letting your ego slip away is probably the biggest thing around that because there's so much anxiety about. Oh man, I'm gonna go in this space. I'm gonna raise my hand and talk about it. But oh, I don't want to do that. It's a bit. Like this is a bit, if it was a bit embarrassing or if it was a bit like I'm trying to like, I don't know, like sell myself and I don't like that. Don't worry about that. Let it go and just do it. Cause if you want to make it in this space, that's what you have to do. Right. Yeah. You got to, it's either, uh, it's either you, uh, promote yourself or you work for somebody who promotes themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you got to get yeah. out there. You got to tell your story and you got to do it without the ego for sure. And I have to admit, even I have those issues. Like I want to do video really, 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 really badly but I've never been the person that wanted to do video. Cause I always thought it was like very self-absorbed, you know what I mean? Like very like selfish kind of like, I'm not that guy, but uh, you know, at this point, like I'm going to start doing it. So um, before the end of this month, I'm going to be videos and stuff like that. Also don't be afraid to take selfies, right? Dan, like take selfies, take video of yourself okay. make sure you put it there. Cause I could tell you, not having pictures up of yourself and not having video up of yourself, people can't, like relate to you as much as watching you on video. People just feel more connected to you. Am I right or am I wrong Man, about that? You know That's a really interesting point, right? I think, and I know we've got two minutes left, but there, I think, I know um, our digital identities are bound by the projects and PFPs that we have, and that inherently puts us into different like pockets of NFT subculture. 
But there's something to being doxxed and, and putting your real self out there, right, is really interesting for me. Um, I think that's going to be the, a lot of the future with me, especially when we bring a lot more people into the space. Yeah, 100%. I think you're going to be a big player in the space. Obviously, you already are, but you'll be a much bigger player in the space when, you know, we get like hundreds of thousands of more people in the space. You're going to be one of the thought leaders, which already are, you know, obviously, you're already a thought leader, but bigger. Um, this is amazing, Dan. Like the knowledge you dropped today is just stuff people need to hear. And I think we need to keep doing this with professionals in the space, whether you call yourselves web one, web two, web three, web 23, it doesn't matter. We're in the, you know, we're on the internet. We do business on the web and, uh, you know, blockchain is the layer of web three. So great conversation. I'm going to bring people up to ask questions. Actually, we only have a minute left. So, you know, um, whoever has a question, throw a, throw an emoji of 100, but it has to be a question. Yeah, you know what? I've, I've actually got a, a got client a call now. <laughs> a minute. But you know what? Anyone here that's listening to the space, man, DM please you. hit me up in DMs. <laughs> I knew follow. I'm more than happy to chat with anyone. I, I would love to. I really would. And Lucas, I'd love to do this again, my friend. This has been great. I, same so here, man. It's been my absolutely my pleasure. And I'm sure my audience loved it too. Uh, everybody down here in, in, uh, in the audience and everybody up here speaking or did speak, you guys rock. Um, I'm going to end the episode now because Dan has to go and you know, I got to get back to doing my IRL job too. So thanks Dan for showing up and thanks for coming to the web three daily buzz. We do the show every day, Monday through Friday. So see you guys again tomorrow. And again, once again, thanks Dan. And of course, thanks to my amazing co-host Crip King. He's always showing up. Don't forget, always show up guys. Thank you, man. Take care. Yep. Have a great day, everybody. A scream that comes a thousand miles It might be yours, it might be mine